702 Healthy Lifestyle. It's 23 minutes to three, and we're looking at something that's caught on that we are quite curious about, in fact, the use of yoga for children, the use of um, meditation for young children in order to help them self-regulate. So we're joined now by Francois Gallet, um, and uh, Francois is the director of the Institute of Mindfulness of South Africa and uh, coordinates... um, what is it, education and parenting uh, uh, portfolio there. Francois, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. Good afternoon to you, Azania, and to your listeners. Thank you for having me. Am I saying your name correct then? Is it Francois? It, it's Francois. It's the female version of Francois. All right. Thank you so much for your time today. Um, so there's some schools, particularly in uh, other parts of the world, and I was curious about the extent to which this is happening in South Africa, where instead of disciplining children through detention, children go off to participate in yoga um, or, or meditate. So wh- what is the benefit? What is the value for the child if we, if we go this route? Well, underpinning that question is why are we going this route? And if we're simply swapping out um, a punitive measure like detention for um, a meditation session or for a yoga session, we might not see any benefits at all. But if we're taking an approach that says we actually want to look at the whole child, we want to look at perhaps the reasons behind their behavior, their acting out, we want to take a humanistic and a sensitive approach that's child-centered in nature, and then look at what um, what 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 practices, what um, what methodologies, what life skills we can equip them with to better handle what's happening that what's happening inside of them that causes a bad behaviour. Then you're looking at a range of potential benefits. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, at this stage, the um, actual scientific um, data behind this is still thin on the ground. But what we're beginning to see coming out of the states and Britain is that. Um, as children are taught, taught practice, mindfulness practices like meditation, mindfulness meditation and yoga, mm. that we're seeing better um, attention, we're seeing better capacity to care for themselves and also a better capacity to connect with others. Mm-hmm. So this idea of being able to self-regulate, to be able to be aware and conscious of our thoughts and our bodies uh, is something we're teaching children from a young age then through uh, uh, mindful cognitive uh, uh, therapy. That's fundamental to mindfulness. At the very essence of mindfulness is this capacity to use our attention to grow our awareness so Mm -hmm. that we are able to notice what's happening in our minds and our bodies what are the thought streams that are trickling through our, our, our day? What are the emotions that we're feeling? And what are the physical sensations? And when we can start to pay attention to that, then we can better regulate. Mm-hmm. Um, in a classroom scenario, how this might play out is that um, a child who practices this um, in, small, in small pockets throughout the day is better regulated cumulatively because of their... their, their um, their continuous practice over the day mm. but what they're also able to do is if they're in a math class for instance and they're being, being feeling particularly wobbled by the math lesson or if they've just come in from break and there's been some social tension if they have the capacity to pull on practices that they know regulate that knows that they know soothe them then they can attend to them attend to themselves in that way and we're seeing it happen not only in the states but in some of our classrooms too in um, one of the schools that I did a mindfulness-based um, intervention with recently, a teacher reported on 
one of her students sitting down to do some work and um, having a wobbly moment and of her own accord taking a few mindful breaths mm-hmm. and pairing that with some mindful movement and then beginning back where she was instructed to do with the, um, the worksheet and she was able to apply herself in that moment. So there was a real life example of an of a eight-year-old mm-hmm. able to self-regulate in the classroom when she was stuck with a little bit of wobbly stuff. And yes. so if, if, if kids are able to do that more regularly for themselves, then you might well see less um, gross bad behavior that might mean less detention. Yeah, and I, maybe as parents we underestimate kids because we're perpetually concerned about uh, their attention span, whether or not they, they, they'll be able to even sit through a yoga class or something that is as less, uh, that, that, that is focused on self, that is so that is not about what is happening outside of us for long enough. So we, we uh, in a lot of ways, we underestimate children. But how can we approach the idea of meditation with children? Does it require a particular approach for it to be to gain acceptance um well there's two there's two there's two aspects to that question because you have to think about schools and children as an ecosystem so if you're going to offer mindfulness in a school you really have to think about um how it will land with the teachers how it will land with students and how it will land with the parents Mm -hmm. but the other part of your question is around underestimating um uh, our children and yes to a large degree we do underestimate them and when um, taught these practices, children very readily are able to apply them. Um, I, um, I have a, a nine-year-old daughter who, um, of her own accord, I don't um, formally teach her mindfulness, but of her own accord came up to me the other day and said, Mom, I couldn't get to sleep. And I just tried that breathing, mm-hmm. and it actually worked. So, um, you know, I think it's human nature to reach for some way of soothing ourselves, and if and, and children do that already. Um, we, do, we do it from a very young age. And if they have in their, 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 their kind of um, their repertoire mm-hmm. a whole range of techniques and skills that might facilitate um, a better way of coping with what's moving through them in that moment, then um, I'm sure they'll draw on that. Right. And would this work for a child who's been diagnosed with ADHD? Um, so... The other part of this question is that often people are hoping that we can use mindfulness meditation as a cure for ADHD or ADD. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely not, um, the research isn't there to say that it is a cure. Okay. So we can't go, yes. But at least as a management going. tool, perhaps? What will, well, the preliminary results out of the um, research that's coming out of the States is that it does help improve focus and attention. And that's what the practices are really about. It's about being able to notice the mechanisms of mind. So to notice when your mind has wandered off and then to bring it back. Mm-hmm. So it, the more you practice that, the more you, you become familiar with the mechanism of mind that notices what is, in, what is the mind engaging with? Am I stuck in a thought stream? Mm-hmm. Do I actually need to be here at my desk doing math, bringing, bringing myself back to this present moment, this present um, math sum? Then it could help. I think it just needs to be approached very warily because it's not a panacea, it's not a silver bullet, it's not something that you can say is going to to take away the ADD or the ADHD. Right. Francis, thank you so much for your time today.
It's a great pleasure. That's Francois Gallet. She is a director for the Institute of Mindfulness of South Africa and a coordinator of uh, education and parenting portfolio there. Just speaking to her was calming. I feel just calmer after that.